Well, hello, everyone. My name is Autumn Seacat, and I am the Associate College Minister here at Highland Baptist Church. I'm also known as the girl you got an email about today who was robbed. Um, so that was fun. But here we are. Um, God is good, and I was totally safe. Everything's fine. Got my stuff back. Um, but tonight, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, we can woo that. It's good. Um, tonight, I'm going to be speaking about the idea of going up or out. That's the name of my message tonight. It's all about the idea of building towers or blessing nations. And this is a very clear idea that we see in scripture. And tonight we're going to be in Genesis 11 and 12. Because I think that very clearly in the life of a believer, we have a path that we can take. We can take the path of, of building towers, building our own tower, or blessing nations. And the question that's going to be under everything that I'm speaking about tonight is the question of how do we live a life that matters? Because we all want that. We all want to get to the end of our lives and know that we made a difference, to know that our lives really counted for something. And so that's the question underlying this whole idea. And so I, I want to I tell you about a poem that I know you're familiar with. It's by Robert Frost. It's called The Road Less Traveled. And the poem goes like this. Basically, he says, uh, there's two roads that diverge in the wood, and I took the road less traveled, and that made all the difference. And we use this poem at graduations and other things to glorify individualism, to, to glorify uniqueness, and to tell people to take the path that makes them stand out and really matters in the world. But I was talking to my neighbor, who's an English PhD student, and then I did my own research, so I didn't just take his word for it. And a lot of people don't think that's what the poem is about at all. It's not actually named The Road Less Traveled. It was actually named The Other Road. So the whole poem is a poem of regret. It's about getting to the end of one path and wishing that you would have taken the other one. It's about wondering what would have been, what could have been, about regretting getting to that one and realizing that they can't go back to the other one. And so that is the question and the problem for us as Christians, that we have paths to take. And so how do we know if we are on the right or the wrong path because we want to be on the right one? And so we're going to be in Genesis 11 and 12 to see those two different paths laid out. But before we get there, I just want to intro the first 10 books of the Bible, 10, 10 chapters of Genesis, sorry, to let us know where we're at when we're at Genesis 11. In Genesis 1, we see this powerful story of God creating the world. He breathes life into things. He speaks things into, into existence. He creates the heaven and the earth just by saying something. And he creates male and female. And in Genesis 1.28, he says to them to be fruitful and multiply and increase on the earth. And then in Genesis 2, we see creation in a different way. We see God stoop down and grow things with his hands. We see him intimately breathe life into Adam and Eve. And we see them walk with him in the garden and have this relationship. But in Genesis 3, I'm sure you're familiar with it, it's a story of the serpent coming and tempting Eve and Adam. And they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they sin and they want separation from God. And so he casts them out of the garden. And it says that he casts them out to the east. And then the next chapter is Cain and Abel. It's their children. And Cain kills Abel because he's jealous that his sacrifice, Abel's sacrifice, is seen as more pleasing to God. And so it again says that Cain is cast out to the east. And then we get to the story of Noah and the flood. And we're almost there. Stay with me. We get to the story of Noah and the flood. And the world has gotten so evil and corrupt and wicked that God decides to start over. And he chooses Noah's family because they're righteous. And he saves them. And then we get to a moment of hope in the story, the first 10 chapters, that maybe, maybe now 
humanity will turn back to God and things will be good. But then we get to Genesis 11, and this is the wrong path. And what we see is that it doesn't, that humans continue to be self-sufficient. So let's look in Genesis 11. We're going to start in verse 1. And this is the wrong path. So it says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So looking at these first four verses, I want us to see some pretty clear signs that these people are on the wrong path. Because these signs look very similar to stuff that we struggle with. And I want us to just listen for this story and the next one to see which path it sounds like we're on right now. The first thing that we see is that they're distant from God and it leads to them being self-reliant. Like I mentioned the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, they all go east. And what we see here is it says that the people settled eastward. And if you've ever heard of the book East of Eden, it's this idea that, that as they go east out of Eden, they get further and further from God's ideal in a relationship with him. And these people not only went east, but they settled east, which just shows how they're content with being far from God. They once were walking with God in the garden, and now they're walking from him. And because they're far from him, it leads to them being self-reliant people. We see two times in, in this passage, they say, let us make bricks. Let us build ourselves a city. They're relying on themselves because, they, because they're no longer in a relationship with God and they don't think they can trust in him. And how many of us that sounds like us? If I want something done, I've got to do it myself. I can't count on anyone or trust anyone but myself. That's got to be me if I want something done. And that's their attitude. The second thing that we see, the, the next sign that they're on the wrong path is that they value their security more than they value obeying and trusting in God. So it says that they settled in a city in this passage, which there's nothing wrong with a city, we don't normally think. But in Genesis 1.28, like I mentioned earlier, and in Genesis 9.1, God commanded them to go out, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And what did they do? They did the opposite. They clumped up and they, they built up. They were afraid that if they went out, if they obeyed God, that they might be killed or who knows what they're afraid of. But it's, what they say is that they want security because they're afraid that they'll be scattered. And so instead of trusting that God would guide them, they clump up together and they build up. And then we see, thirdly, that they care more about others looking up to them than they do about going out to others. So like I said, they clump up together for security, but they also do it to build higher. Their whole thing, they say in this passage, is let's make a name for ourselves. They build a tower because they want to be seen as great. They want people to look at them and go, dang, look at them. Look at their Instagram with their tall towers. I wish I had that. They want people to be jealous and to be afraid of them. And what I want us to see is how God responds to this. In verse 5, let's look together. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. 
That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. What I want us to see is the irony of this passage. These people thought that they had reached up to the heavens. They built a tower all the way to the heavens. But what we see is that God has to come down. It says God comes down to see the tower. No tower they ever built was going to be high enough to reach God. And that's the thing that they didn't understand. And what we see is that at the end of this path, of walking down the path of building up, of building towers and making people afraid of them and, and, and finding security, we see that at the end of this path, they are left only with a broken tower with rubble everywhere and nothing to show for it. God, he comes down, he sees their potential for evil, and I don't think that God's at all afraid of them or, or that he's insecure of them. We saw just a couple chapters ago that when the world became evil, God could just wipe it out with a flood. What we see is an act of grace by God. He scatters their language and he pushes them out. And we see that when he's pushing them out, when he tears down their tower, the thing that they thought was going to give them security and they thought would, would be the thing that would keep them safe, God is really pushing them back to the calling that he gave them in Genesis 1, 28 and 9, 1. And so I want us to see that this, this is the wrong path. This is how not to do it. This is how to, to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. And how many of us were on this path right now? We'll get, we'll get more practical later, but I want us to look now at uh, Genesis 12 because we want to see if this is a wrong path, then there's probably a right path. And I don't think it's any accident that Genesis 11 is right next to Genesis 12, and I think they should be read together because it's very different. This path is very different. And it, let's see um, what, what the call of Abram is all about in ch uh, verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And this is key right here. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And so very clearly, if you're listening to the difference, you can see how very different these two passages are. And we see some clear signs that Abraham, he's on the right path. He's on the path that will lead to getting to the end of life, and there's fulfillment, and he mattered. And the first thing we see is that he is willing to give up everything to follow God in obedience. And in verse 4, it says, so Abram went, he obeyed. And what did he obey? Well, in verse 1, God told him that he was going to have to leave everything he had ever known to follow him. His house, his family, his reputation, his name, his security. And it says that Abram went and he obeyed God. And then we see that he is not under any illusion that he can achieve anything of lasting significance apart from God. It's very clear Abram knows because God tells him that God is the one who makes a name, not us. God is the one who establishes a nation, who, who does all these things. And, and he says that I will bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And so it's clear that Abraham is aware that there's nothing he can do apart from God. And then number three, it says he, he experiences the blessing of being a blessing to others. And so what we see also is that Abraham, it says he is blessed. And why is he blessed? Is it just because he, God wants to give him health, wealth, and prosperity? 
I don't think that's it. I think it's because God wants to bless him so that Abraham can be a blessing to all the nations. That is what God's purpose is in blessing him. And what Abraham had no idea was going to happen is that God was going to bless him and was going to bring the Israelite people through him. And that through those people, Jesus would come. So when Abraham was obedient to God, he had no idea where it would lead. He literally had no idea where God was going to take him. But because of his obedience, God brought Jesus through his line, who ended up being the ultimate blessing to the world. And so what we see in this passage, clear signs that this is the right path. We see at the end of it, there is a fulfilled life that leads to blessing of others and one that makes a real difference. So what we see, again, is two different paths. And my question for y'all as we go into discussion time is, which path are you on? Just being very honest, you don't do yourself any favors by lying to your table or by, you know, giving the Christian answer. I want you to be real. What path are you on right now? Is your life about building yourself up, building your own tower, finding security, staying put? Or is your life about blessing others and looking out to others around you, seeing people who have a need around you and wanting to do that, about obeying God even when it's scary, even when he calls you to go from everything you've ever known? Because if you're on the first path, then I just want to let you know, because I'm your friend, I just want to let you know, that it's not going to end up well. (laughs) You're going to be left with a tower that's fallen down and you're going to be left in the rubble. But if you, if you go on the second path, you'll see how God will bless you as you're a blessing to others. And let me just remind you that the path that you take, it makes all the difference. So I want us to spend the next eight minutes or so discussing these questions at our table, and I'll come back for another teaching time. And let's get practical during that time. We're going to talk about what it means for us to be obedient to the Spirit and how that's the key and how we can walk down the right path. Discussion Questions Part 1 Do you think about this idea of a right or wrong path often? Thinking about the story of Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, building towers or blessing nations, which path sounds more similar to your life? Explain why. Question 2 In Genesis 11, they found their hope and security in a city and a tower. Where do you look to find hope and security? A relationship? Your major? Friends, yourself, a successful future? How does this story about a broken tower affect the way you view things you are putting your hope in? Question three. Abraham played an important role in blessing nations by his obedience to God, and as a result, he was blessed. Have you experienced the blessing of being a blessing to others? Talk to your group about those experiences. We talked about last time just what does it look like to build towers or bless nations. And I hope that you had some good, honest conversations at your tables. One thing I want us to really understand before going into this and going into the word again is, is that as Christians, we have the option. God is not going to force us to walk down the path of blessing nations. He gives us the choice to walk down another path like he did with Adam and Eve. And so I just want to encourage us tonight For us to keep that in mind, that there is a choice. And so how do we walk down the right path? How do we walk in obedience? And the key really is it's obedience. And it's being willing to follow him wherever. But but the real key, and we're going to look at that, is being full of the Holy Spirit. Because like we talked about in the first teaching time, you cannot do anything apart from God. You have to rely on his spirit. 
And so I want us to look in Acts 2. It's this really cool passage, and we're going to get there. But first, I'm just going to intro by letting you know what's happening. And what's happening in this passage is that the believers are gathered together, and Jesus, is, Jesus has already gone up to heaven. He's come, he's died, he's risen up, and he's gone back to heaven. And so they're waiting for him. And what I want us to see in this passage is such a cool thing, that it's really the reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. And it's also the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that he would make him a blessing to all the world. And so I want us to listen for that as, as I tell this story and as we read it. So they're gathered together, these believers, all gathered together, united around the name of Jesus. And right there we see the difference from the Tower of Babel because they were united together, but they were united around their own name and around evil and being seen as great. So the believers, they're gathered together in Jerusalem in one place and they're worshiping Jesus and they're waiting because Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit was going to come and that the Holy Spirit would guide them. Because the believers, they wanted to walk down the right path. They didn't want to go somewhere that God wasn't going to go. So they're waiting for that. And it says that they're all in one room worshiping. And this amazing thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes down. And it says that a loud, rushing wind fills the room. And they hear this. And what they see is tongues of fire come and split and rest on all of them. And then they start speaking all different languages. And this is a loud sound. And there's a bunch of Jews in Jerusalem worshiping at the temple. And they hear this. So they go over to where they are. And they're wondering what's happening. And these Jews, they're from all different places in the Roman Empire. So they speak completely different languages. And what they hear happening is that the believers are all speaking their different languages. And they're sharing the gospel. We see the reversal of what happened at Babel where God sent them out and confused their language because they were united for evil. We see God do the opposite. We see him make them, their languages make sense to each other. And it's because they're able to share the gospel and he wants them to be able to bless others by sharing the gospel and being full of the spirit. So this amazing thing happens. And some people, they're amazed, all these Jews that are there. Others are confused and think they're drunk. And so I want us to see how Peter responds to all of this crowd in Acts 2, verse 14. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He hadn't heard of mimosas, apparently. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And this is really the key for us here. And it says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What I want us to remember is that through Abraham's obedience, Jesus comes and Jesus dies. And now, because of what Jesus has done, not because of what Abraham has done, but what Jesus has done, now everyone who calls on his name can be saved and, and have a relationship with him. But I do want to remind us of the obedience of Abraham. 
Because that's, that's, that's key right there to see how this passage is fulfilled, how, how the, the promise that he be a blessing to all the nations becomes true in this passage, that now all the nations can know Jesus and know what he has done. So in this passage, we see some amazing things that the Spirit does. We see that with the Spirit, if we're full of the Spirit as Christians, we have the ability to share the gospel, to cross cultural barriers, racial barriers, to do amazing things in his name and to see all these amazing things and men and women prophesying, old men visions, dreams, all these crazy cool things. These can happen not because of us, but because of the spirit. If we want to be a blessing to others, then we have to have the spirit in us. And what I want us to know and, is that the spirit only comes when we believe in Jesus and when we put our faith in him. And it's the spirit that will guide us down the right path. We are not able to do that on our own. We are not able to go down the right path on our own. We have to trust in the Spirit and obey the Spirit. And so I want to talk about some really practical ways that tonight God might be calling you to obey the Spirit. Because I don't just want us to stay up here and, and you walk out of there like, she didn't tell me anything practical. I'm going to tell you some practical things. So I just want you to be listening to what God might be saying to you and some things I don't even say that the Spirit is, is telling you tonight. The first thing is that, that like, like this passage says, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to give your life to Jesus. Some of you in here, you don't know him. You've lived your entire lives trying to build up your own tower, trying to do enough good over the bad to get higher and higher up and higher in the world. And you're hoping that, that as you get older, things will get better and that life will get easier and you'll find meaning and value just by being you. And what I want us to know from the story of the Tower of Babel is that if we want a life that matters, if we want to find fulfillment and true meaning in life, that only comes from following Jesus. So for some of you tonight, you need to believe in him for the first time. You need to call on his name and, and ask for him to come inside of you and for you to believe what he has done on the cross for you and, and be full of his spirit so you can walk down the path of righteousness toward him. Others of you, you need to recommit to that. Tonight you need to call on the name of the Lord because you have been far from him for a really long time and you need to ask him to save you. Some of you, you need to put your bricks down. <laughs> you need to stop obsessing over building your name, over your Instagram, over what people think about you. You need to stop trying to build yourself up because it's not going to work and you're just going to continue to feel more and more insecure because those things can never fill you up. You need to stop trying to find security in your relationship or the thought of a relationship. You need to break up with that boy or girl and you need to follow in obedience to God and his spirit. Some of you need to just drop your third major. I don't know why you even have that. You just need to let that go because that's not, that's not going to lead to anything. It's not going to lead to you being better off Having that third major is not going to make you more special in the kingdom of God. It's great. And, and what I don't want you to hear me say is break up with your girlfriend and your boyfriend when you leave here and, and make bad grades because Autumn from college ministry told me to do that. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that are those things taking the place of your relationship with Christ? Are these things causing you to be disobedient instead of obedient to God? Because if they are, then what are you doing? <laughs> Where is this path going to lead you? Others of you, 
You need to get rid of some sin that's been quenching the spirit. You can no longer even hear his voice. You don't even know where to go. You don't even know what path is where because you can't hear him at all. And it's because you've been living in sin and you have not repented at all. You're hiding it. And so for some of you tonight, very practically, what obedience to the spirit might look like is confessing to your table, if that's a safe place with all guys or girls, or tonight finding a friend and just saying, hey, I have been struggling for a long time and I have not told anyone this. And my addiction to pornography or masturbation or these things, it's ruling my life and, it's, and I can no longer hear his voice. And I want you to know that God loves you and that he wants to have a relationship with you. So you can confess those things. Others of you, you need to stop worried about being blessed. And you need to look outward at how you can be a blessing to others. Some of you, I've been like this a lot in my life too, we're really good at coming to church on Sundays and, and absorbing from Pastor John. And then on, on college night, once a month, we come and we sit and we talk. And we go to our CGs and we absorb from that too. And we let people read scripture over us and it's beautiful and wonderful. But what, what some of you need to do to be obedient to the Spirit tonight, to let him guide you to be obedient, you need to stop letting others bless you, and you need to learn how to be a blessing to others. You need to lead a CG. Very practically, some of you are called next year to lead a CG for this ministry right here. And while that might be scary, while you, while you might not feel equipped or good enough, I want to remind you, that he will make you equipped and then that you can trust that if the spirit is leading you there, that you can trust him because staying put in one place in your little city, it's not going to work. It's not going to cut it. Others of you need to join church. You've been popping around and, and God's saying to you tonight to join a church, to serve, to let others speak because they have the spirit inside of them too, to let community around your life. What I want us to really understand is that if we want the spirit, these amazing things that we read in this passage, to see people call on the name of the Lord and be saved and, and to play a part in that, if we want that in our lives, if we want to get to the end of our lives and know that it really mattered, that we made a difference because of Jesus, then we're going to have to give something up. Because obedience, it's not comfortable. It's just not. And obedience takes trusting that God will be there with you that he will go before you, and that he will bring good out of it. And so tonight, I just want to ask you, are you being obedient to the Spirit? And for you, very practically, what would it look like for you to walk down the path of, of being a blessing to others? Stop building yourself up because your tower is not going to get there. It's just not. In your city, it's going to get invaded. Something's going to happen. Because that will never lead to you being fulfilled Look outward. And at your table, I want you to talk about how you're going to practically do that. And again, I want you to be honest and real and, and really be, give some real answers, not the church answers. Give some real answers of what you think the Spirit is leading you to obey Him in tonight. Because that's how we'll find fulfillment. So go ahead and discuss, and I'll come back up and close this in a little bit. Discussion questions part two. Read these verses about the Holy Spirit. Titus 3.5, Acts 1.8. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, and 1 Thessalonians 5:19. From the story in Acts 2 and these passages, what do you learn about the Holy Spirit? Question 2. To be full of the Spirit and walk in obedience, we often have to give up things or do things that make us nervous. 
What is your practical next step in obeying the Spirit? Leading a CG? Sharing the gospel with your roommate? Confessing sin? Be specific about what God is prompting you to do. Question 3. Is the majority of time that you were spending in college dedicated to building yourself up or looking out at others? What are practical ways you can serve others in the circles that you are in? How are you encouraged by the example of Jesus? Okay, everyone. I'm just going to close us now, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. I hope that you had good discussion at your table, and feel free to stay after and keep talking about that or um, just getting to know people at your table. Before we close, I just want to remind us of the ultimate example of everything that I've been talking about, about building ourselves up or going out. I want to remind you of the person of Jesus Because Jesus, he was the son of God. He was in heaven reigning on a throne. And Jesus saw that no tower we ever built was high enough. We couldn't reach him. We couldn't reach God on our own. And what we see in the person of Jesus is that he knows that he comes down as a baby. That he's born in a manger that he lives a sinless life serving others, that Jesus wasn't trying to be glorified and, and to go up and up in the world. He went out. He went out to people who were sick and hurting and needing hope and life. And what an amazing example for us. And he died on the cross. He went all the way to death for us, giving up his entire life so that we could live. And then he rose from the dead and he ascended up to heaven and now all who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. And what an example of what it looks like to lay our lives down for others, to build our, to stop building our towers, sorry, so that we can bless nations so that we can let others know of the good news of what Jesus has done if we walk in step with his spirit. And I want us to see what Jesus says to his disciples and the same thing that he would say to us if he was standing here. His disciples, he tells them he's going to die. He tells them that he is going to die and leave them. And they won't take it because like us, They know that it's Jesus. He should be up. He should be high. He should be glorified. But this is what Jesus says. Because Jesus knows that to bring blessing and fulfillment to the rest of the world, he has to go out. He has to lay himself down. In Matthew 16, verse 24, he says this to them and to us. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, they're gonna lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world or build the tallest tower, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So what's it gonna be for you? Which path are you gonna walk down? Are you going to live the rest of college building yourself up in your name and and finding security any way you can? Are you going to follow the example of Jesus and laying your life down for him and, and being obedient to whatever he calls you, whatever the cost, 
because that is how we will find life to the fullest. That is how we will experience the blessing and fulfillment that comes with knowing Jesus. And so we're going to go into a time of response. And I just want you all to stand up. We're going to worship now. And I want us to spend this time really just responding and being honest to God about where we are and, and whatever that looks like for you. I want you guys, if you're called to just get on your knees and repent or, or maybe to go to the back. We're going to have our leadership team in the back. And they're going to be able to pray over you. If there's practical things that you're scared about that you know God's calling you to do, go back there and ask for prayer. If there's sins you need to repent of, go back, ask for prayer. But just move tonight and, and follow the example of Jesus. Be willing to give it up for him because that is how we'll find fulfillment.